Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Welcome to Wes and Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us for the next three hours. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Got a lot of fantastic topics for you today. How can Bryce Young be the most successful this season? How do you defend Bryce Young? We got a lot of sound that we have for you. Visit to the mound going to be coming up at 145. So we'll give you a baseball update and at 1245 we'll give you a Charlotte FC update. The one, the only Willie P. It's been a while since he's been in studio. Have to imagine he's going to be calling in. Um, We did have Jessica Charman in studio. They were undefeated for a while before Jessica Charman came in. Hopefully we can get on the winning ways as this thing goes on. We'll see what happens when Willie P runs in here. And then next time, okay, maybe they can continue to win games and have that streak going once he enters the Planet Kia Studios. So let's talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers as we go on. But also we have some unfortunate news for all you hockey fans, including Black Ice, the Wasiah. Wes Bryant, hockey aficionado. Wes Gretzky. Wes Gretzky, the Carolina Hurricanes. They dropped game three to the Florida Panthers. And now there's a 3-0 deficit because they couldn't score last night off of some tremendous goalie play. So now you see the Canes. They are down 3-0. We've seen this in the NHL before, though. Some teams can come back from 0-3, right? But you're not really all that confident. No, man. I mean, it's been the same story every game. Like I said, they're all over the Canes. The Canes can never seem to cash in on opportunities opportunities that they have they had a couple last night where they had numbers man Sebastian can't seem to get the goal uh just nothing is going right for them right now man it just doesn't look good I mean the Panthers at this point we have to keep it real this looks like a team of destiny it does look like that and especially when you get a 32 save performance from Sergey Bobrovsky (laughs) <laughs> what a great game from Bobrovsky blocking everything on goal last night. And so hopefully the Carolina Hurricanes, look, nobody's going to be able to say, yeah, you feel good about them actually actually reaching the championship round. But it has happened before. Maybe you can have some of those. Uh, maybe you could have some confidence. But, yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be coming to an end. It got us asking the question, will this be the most disappointing end to a magical season since the Carolina Panthers 2015 Super Bowl run. We'll get you started with that garage door guru text line question of the day. And also with that, the bus driver just pulled up to the scene. Go ahead, Fiddy. Let's open up the doors and get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. What have been some of the more painful ends to magical seasons? Because I do think the Carolina Panthers Super Bowl run in 2015, that was a awful game. Carolina had the Jonathan Stewart touchdown run to where it's not like it was completely over, 
But that defensive performance from Denver, it was dominating. We know how it all ended after what was a magical regular season. And then an awesome game against Seattle where it was the loudest sports experience of my life. Being at draft beer, draft bar, whatever. It's not even there anymore. Right outside of Bank of America Stadium. Luke Keekley has the pick six against Russell Wilson. Everybody's going absolutely bananas. And then in the NFC Championship game, they destroy Arizona only for it to fall in the end. Carolina doesn't even get there. The Hurricanes don't. But still, if this happens like we all think it's going to be, right? Seems like a pretty disappointing end to what has been an awesome season for Canes fans. Yeah, man, it is. And especially once they became the Stanley Cup favorite when Boston was eliminated, you felt like that not necessarily you had an easy path, but they uh, destroyed the New Jersey Devils. And you felt like that this was a team that was just headed for uh, bigger and brighter things. But the the Panthers, as I've said, they destroyed the – well, they beat the Bruins, which was a feat in and of itself, the right. greatest regular season team in NHL history. And then they mopped up the Maple Leafs, who are one of the best teams in the NHL. So to say I'm completely surprised that this has happened, I'm not, because I came into the series saying I was a little worried. I thought the Canes would win. But I said, the Panthers, man, I mean, after doing what they've done, they're looking at the, the Canes like, who are y'all? We beat the greatest regular season team of all time. Mm-hmm. You're nobody to us. And they're playing like it. They're more physical. They're, they're punking the Canes in a lot of ways because I see during the, the, the timeouts they're, they're pushing on the Canes and getting physical with them and, and, and trying to intimidate them. And the Canes, man, they just haven't looked like the team – uh, that they have all season long, especially when you talk about uh, early earlier playoff series. They're, they're not looking like that, man, and it's it's over. Well, Fiddy, I wanted to get your take on this being a Carolina basketball fan. What season comes to mind when you talk about the most disappointing finish? Was it the Chris Jenkins shot, or do we just kind of attribute that to one of the greatest plays in NCAA tournament history? Yeah, it sucked, but that's just how it happened. I was much more disappointed that Team X did not win the whole thing. Is there any team that comes to mind when I bring that scenario up to you? Yeah, like when you look at 20 20- 2016, disappointing is not the right word. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's the one of the few times I've cried at a sporting event the way that ended. For me, I'd go 2021, 2022 because of what all you, you went through to get to the NCAA title game. You know, you beat Duke and then 48 hours later, you blow the biggest lead in, in tournament game history. The 2019 season, though, will always stick out because that team was fun. Kobe White was... You know, just came off, you know, out of nowhere to become one of the best players in college basketball. Luke May, Cam Johnson, those dudes. And they all get the flu and they get run out of the gym by Auburn. So that was disappointing because of just how the loss happened. So that would probably be the one because like 16 and 22 heartbroken is what I was. Well, and even if we want to compare some of these local runs, I go 2003 Carolina Panthers Super Bowl run where pretty improbable for them to get there. It was a fantastic postseason run, but then once they get to the championship, fantastic game. I don't know if you would call that a real disappointing ending. Like, of course, we all want to win the Super Bowl. In hindsight. Anybody, yes, if you don't win the championship, duh, of course that's a disappointment. But what a magical season that was when you really weren't supposed to get to the Super Bowl in 03. We had Jake DeLome, somebody that no one had ever heard of 
the starting QB, doesn't even open up the season as the starter. That's Rodney P, but Jake DeLome has the magical performance against Jacksonville with that drive to win game one. And then wait, hold up. At the end of the year, we're actually facing Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So that season, I hold in such high regard. Carolina's 15-1 season was historic, but man, that Super Bowl was not fun. It was not a pretty game to watch, and Carolina did not come out on top. I kind of go with that with the Carolina, uh, the, the North Carolina Tar Heels, um, uh, maybe even with their eight seed run to the championship just last year or the year prior to that, when they have the 15 point lead to Kansas, I kind of say, okay, well, I don't know if we can call it disappointing because they shouldn't have been on that run anyway. And plus you beat Duke in the final four. So I feel like that's not necessarily as disappointing of a finish. I'll say when you're talking about Carolina, we can go back to what was it? 2012 when Kendall Marshall went down with that injury, it was injury based, but that team was good enough to win the championship. And that's one where it's like, man, if only he could stay healthy, you felt like they could go all the way. Well, I was going to say the Panthers in 03 in hindsight, because you didn't know Tom Brady was going to become the greatest quarterback of all time. And that's why I was disappointed. That was when I was a fan back then. And I was very disappointed that they lost that game. They did already have a championship. They under did, belt, but, but you yeah. didn't know what you were going up against at that point. It wasn't like he was a four time champ or mm-hmm. five time champ and you were like oh man we're just happy to be in the building and see if we can get this thing but this was at the point where you felt like especially once the Panthers woke up and started scoring you thought they had a real chance to get it. How have we not mentioned the 08 playoff game against Arizona where Jake DeLone throws five <laughs> interceptions <laughs> and fumbles funny. the ball because like no one thought that Arizona team was for real even though they beat wasn't Atlanta they beat in the wild card round the week before then they come here it's Saturday night yeah but that was when Larry Fitzgerald had one of the greatest individual playoff runs that dude, we've seen they almost beat Pittsburgh yeah yeah I mean that dude retired Chris Gamble he was never the same after that playoff game he was game. unbelievable in those playoffs it, that, that's a good one the way that Jake DeLone played where <laughs> it was only one game after that they'd be like alright t- two games in a row where you're the worst QB no well, we can't we his can't faces have... after those interceptions Ooh. too were just priceless yeah 3 3 six number just wrote in took the words out of my mouth yeah arizona that game sucked uh 704 number wrote in the most disappointing is the hockey team compared to some of these other squads we're talking about because super bowl is just one game you have a number of games to play in the stanley cup playoffs mm, big cat point big cat dan though is saying no it would be disappointing if they made it to the stanley cup championship and lost it's like being a fan of a baseball team that had a great regular season and just ran out of gas before getting to the ship do we kind of view it as uncertain because baseball is not the sport where the best team in the regular season is extremely favored to win the World Series. Anything can happen in baseball. Well, it's the a thing wild too sport. is the Panthers were eight seed. And so that was the part about it with this Kane yeah. series. It's not like, you know, if you get to the Stanley Cup and you lose to one of the top teams from the West, you're like, okay, no sweat off your back. But an eight seed destroyed you. I do get this point, though, from Big Cat Dan, because this is the selling point of the NHL postseason. It's the fact that the best teams can be wild in the regular season. But because hockey is unpredictable, it's not always the best indicator of seven-game series to actually pick the best champion. It is like baseball in that regard. That's why it's unpredictable predictable that's why people swear by the nhl postseason so i do think that's a good point from big cat dan moose wrote in all the panthers playoff losses they are the most disappointing because they seem to either come in the super bowl or the nfc championship game it's a good point from moose and then jj wrote 
every brave season in the 90s outside of 95 those were always disappointing finishes and that's a great point too because it's amazing that squad only got one championship out of that run of maddox and glavin and john smoltz and all those guys 704-570-9610 off and rolling here wes and walker we're going to be transitioning to some more carolina panthers talk on the other side of the break How can Bryce Young be most successful this season? Is it something the coaching staff can do? Or are there just going to have to be some big-time performances from ancillary pieces? We'll get to that in just a moment. On Wes and Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Young can be the most successful this season. We want to hear your thoughts on the Garage Door Guru text line. All you got to do is text in at 704-570-9610. Again, the number is 704-570-9610. We do have some ideas, at least coming from NFL Live, with OTA starting, I believe, for 20 different NFL franchises yesterday. Of course, Carolina being one of them. So they're going to be out there this week. We did see Bryce Young. He spoke along with Frank Reich. We even got some Matt Corral podium time, which is not something I expected But we did hear from all the QBs and the head coach and Frank Reich. And so that is what led and led off, I believe, the NFL Live segment discussing all of these OTAs because there are a lot of eyeballs on this situation here in Carolina. The number one overall pick, the guy with the pedigree that Wes is pounding the table for, who has come in here as a Heisman Trophy winner, somebody that is very accomplished in Alabama. How are we going to see the dude transition to the NFL despite being 5'10 and, well, the smallest QB that we've ever seen. It doesn't matter, though, to us. We think he's going to be awesome. And Marcus Spears does, too, of NFL Live. Here he is on discussing just how successful Bryce Young can be as long as Carolina abides by this part of the game. Let me get into Carolina. This is about protection and run game, man. It, it, it's it's Bryce Young ended up in a phenomenal situation, and I know we talked a lot about the coaching staff and the experience he was going to, but this team, the last eight games of the season under Steve Wilkes, they rushed for 158 a clip, and that is how you help young quarterbacks get acclimated to the speed of the game. This offensive line played well down the stretch. Mina mentioned that a bunch as we led up to the draft, so I think he's primed. And listen, all of those adjectives that you heard Frank Reich use about Bryce Young is the reason he went first. Calm, poise, command, Mm. understanding the X's and O's, ball placement. I know we made a big deal about his size, but he is primed to have success this year. But those two things, offensive line, obviously, protection for any quarterback in the NFL, but don't lean away from the run game, which Frank Reich showed with Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis that he will hand it off. I don't think we've talked enough about Miles Sanders because I know we've kind of gone back to last year and said, well, Carolina, they definitely leaned on the run game. And that's exactly how they were able to be successful. Steve Wilkes says, all right, enough of this crazy talk with Ben McAdoo under Matt Rule. Ben, let's run the football a lot more. And also they were more effective, which I think is key, right? And you and I agreed a lot on this. Everybody wants to say, oh, run the football, run the football. Well, the problem is if you're not successful on first and second down, which a lot of times they weren't in the first half of the season, and then they throw it, people are going to be mad. Oh, wait, why aren't we, you know, we only had, what, 10 rushing attempts for Deontay, you know, only 
14 for Chris McCaffrey, whatever, right? Whatever the running back was at the time. But they were more successful in doing it, and then they stuck with it. It's what kept them in games. I think it's what allowed Sam Darnold to have one of the best stretches of his NFL career, probably the best prolonged stretch outside of the first three games that he played his first season here in Carolina. And if you think about it, no McCaffrey anymore. That was true at the midpoint of last year. No Deontay Foreman. He goes to Chicago. You didn't want to pay him. And you gave good money to Miles Sanders. I believe the richest running back contract given this offseason was to Miles Sanders. I don't think we're talking about him enough, Wes, especially with his effect on your rookie QB at number one overall in Bryce Young. We're infatuated, myself included, by the way, with Adam Thielen, with DJ Char, Caden Hurst. How are they going to help Bryce? Nah, man. Like, Miles Sanders is going to have a big part in this, too, and I think that's also um, really spoken about here by Marcus Spears. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you because early on in the season, especially once they're learning how he's going to adapt to the NFL game, there's no question about it. They're going to rely on Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard and that running game. We talked about it, and we're going to continue to talk about it. The Panthers were top 15 offensive line in both pass block and run block win rate, so that's according to ESPN, so that's going to be very helpful for them, but also defenses, especially when you talk about that early schedule, well, they're going to test that pretty early. They're going to stack that box, and they're going to make Bryce Young have to beat them very early, and then they're going to see what's going on from there. So Bryce is going to have to show each week that he can absorb more of the playbook, which I think he'll have it pretty well absorbed by week one, but that also he can go out and execute it. And I think once you do that, then you can start to maybe mix in what you need more, but just like anything, they're just going to have to ease him into it, and Miles Sanders is going to be a key guy in helping him ease into the NFL game. How comfortable do you feel leaning on him as being the lead back by leaps and bounds? And I don't want to take anything away from what Chuba Hubbard was able to do last year. I was hard on him at the beginning of the season. Lots of Panthers fans were. We were tired of seeing him drop the football, wasn't making enough big plays. But again, once they focused on running the ball in the second half, I thought he did pretty well, especially running between the tackles. I think he's a hard runner alongside a Deontay Foreman. I don't expect him to get a ton of carries next year with Miles Sanders getting that much money. It just wouldn't make so much sense to me. Now, Chuba Hubbard isn't having this big contract either. And so maybe he's more involved than I think. I just think Miles Sanders, especially if the idea is that he's going to be on the field on third down situations, right? Like that's how you justify that contract even a little bit. It's the fact that he's involved on third downs. I want to see at least 40, 50 catches from him. I do. And that's what I think we saw 50 his rookie season. Can you bring that up? And if you do, that does mean Chuba Hubbard's going to be on the sideline a little bit more. Do you trust Miles Sanders to be somebody that can be a three down back more often than not in this league? Uh, I think so. And I think he's going to have to be. As I said, you've seen a lot of doubters talk about being behind that Philly offensive line, that scheme playing with Jalen Hurts, also making the defense have to be responsible for another guy in the run game, not just chase after Miles Sanders. You had to guess whether Jalen Hurts was going to keep the ball or not. And that helped him out as well, not to mention those receivers. So there's a lot for him to prove if that Pro Bowl was validated, if he's that type of back like we're, we're going to see because, as you talked about, only 3.9 yards per catch is lowest of his career last season after averaging. It went down 10, every year? Yeah, after adding uh, averaging 10.2 in his rookie year. So for him, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to look to see is he worth that money. Uh, and they're going to find out very, very early because, as we talked about just now, that they're going to feed him the ball a lot to help ease in Bryce Young, and he's 
he's going to show very quickly if that investment was sound. We heard from Ben Solak, who covers Philadelphia as well as any team, but also covers the NFL as an entirety. And he discussed how Miles Sanders, his vision improved last year, but it's also been pretty bad at times growing up in the NFL. But then you saw him improve. And we'll see if he can get back to that pass catching ability like we talked about. Thick Doink, he wrote in on the text line. Mm-hmm. I got to say it was some stank. Mm-hmm. He said, I truly believe, truly believe Bryce will get us a playoff dub this year. So some optimism mm-hmm. from Thick Doink. Big Chris from Shelby said, for Bryce Young to succeed, they need to let him be a rookie and not put too much expectation on him for his first year. What do you think about Big Chris from Shelby's comment about not too much expectation? I don't disagree with overload. That. So you don't you don't he wants that. Okay. Bryce Young wants that. Like that's the type of guy you're dealing with here. If you have a rookie that doesn't want expectations, you don't want that rookie, especially at the quarterback position. Like this is a kid, as I've said over and over again, number one quarterback in high school. He went to arguably the top high school in California. So you're talking about expectations out the wazoo in high school. You're talking about going to Alabama, the number one team in the country in college football has been since Nick Saban's second season. So you come there, the expectations are to win a championship. He did that. So this is a kid that I don't think you can put too many expectations on, and I don't think you can put more on him than what he puts on himself. I think he expects to get this team, especially with him being as football smart as he is. I think he can look at this roster. He looks at the division. He knows what was going on last season with this team, I believe. So I think that he does not feel like there are any expectations that are going to be too big for him. So – Hey, that's the name of the game, and I think he wouldn't have it any other way. Um, we did have a hater text. The only one I can see in the chat from him okay. or them. 704 number wrote, why isn't it more talked about that Bryce Young led Alabama to its worst finish in years? A hmm? little bit of a hater text there. So they went 11-2 and in 2022. They went 13-2, and 13-0, and 11-2, and, and then a whole bunch of ones and twos, nothing past that. Now, they didn't make the playoff. That's the thing, right? Sure. So you're talking about the worst finish in years. I don't think you're putting that on Bryce Young, I guess, is the point. You're more so putting that on the fact that they were not <laughs> some super team. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's funny, right? If if we're not talking about Bryce Young leading Alabama, quote, leading, that's that's doing a lot of work. And in fact, some manufactured work. But if we're talking about him leading Alabama to its worst record in a while, think about like a C.J. Stroud having a very similar season leading Ohio State to, yeah, they get to a playoff, awesome in their loss, but does lose. Do, do we think Bryce Young was was awful in those losses? I came away almost more impressed. And yeah. that, that loss to LSU, are you kidding me? I mean, talk about the improvisation. He was what allowed them to have that close game against LSU even at the end. And so not putting any stock to that, I can't imagine you are either way. No, not at all. I mean, Alabama, I can't stand them personally, but uh, 11 and 2 for them is pretty par for the course. I know they didn't make the playoffs and the losses that they had were pretty razor thin. Uh, When you talk about LSU losing a game on a two-point conversion and then you talk about Tennessee losing uh, on a field goal. So the losses were razor thin, play here, play there. This was not a loaded Alabama team. It was a very good Alabama team, but mm-hmm. come on, Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks. Let me know when you hear their names in the first round of the NFL draft at wide receiver. So this is not a, a, a normal Alabama team as far as just being just loaded with first round, second round, third round picks. But again, I think this was a very good team. So that text to me is a 
That's a bit. Um, Spence wrote in Walker. I would agree with Marcus Spears, except for the fact that we let Deontay Foreman walk. Jeez, how big of a deal was it at that money that they decided to let Deontay Foreman walk? Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. I thought he would be a guy that they would bring back, but I think maybe Frank Reich is looking for the versatility. So I think that maybe he feels that he can get. Miles Sanders back to where he was as far as a receiving back out of the backfield. Maybe they just didn't feel like Foreman fit into what they wanted to do because we know that Coach Wilkes ran that power running scheme, and mm-hmm. I don't think that Frank Reich wants to do a ton of that, especially with Bryce Young. It's going to be a lot of RPO and things of that nature, and I don't think they thought Deontay was a fit. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, where Mina Kimes of NFL Live on ESPN spoke just how much potential the Panthers' defense has and how that potential that's been there for a couple of years will turn into reality. This Panthers' defense, I yes. think we've all thought of as having great potential. But for me, this is the year that they have the, the true ability to go from being potential to a very good top five even defense in the NFL. And it starts with the hiring of their defensive coordinator, Ejiro Evero, who, you know, frankly, will probably be a head coach sooner rather than later, but had tremendous success in Denver. She was talking about that because that also helps Bryce Young. So if Marcus Spears was discussing protecting him and having a strong run game, she was comparing the Russell Wilson era in 2012 when they got Russ when they got him and shorter quarterback needed to protect him. Now, funny because the offensive line was always so poor up in Seattle for such a long time, but they did have a strong running game with Marshawn Lynch once he came over. And then you're talking about a fantastic defense up in Seattle. And that was the comparison she was making. How much would a jump up in defensive stature, whether they be whatever number you would have put on it, you know, top 10 big difference in top five. Like you're talking about the elite defensive squad compared to just very good with top 10 and top five, but how much would a very improved defense, a good side of the ball on defense, how much would that help Bryce Young? It helps a ton. It gives you extra possessions. When you have a defense, they can either get the ball back to you via turnovers or either from three and outs or keeping teams from scoring and making them punt. It's going to help him. It's going to give him more chances. The more chances you give the guy, I think he'll make you pay. So uh, they don't face a ton of ridiculous quarterbacks on the schedule. They've got a lot of guys that have to prove themselves. I mean, you look down the roster – who are the quarterbacks that will scare you on this schedule? Well, we know Kirk Cousins is a really good regular season quarterback. You got Geno Smith, Jared Goff, Tua. Other than that, Justin Fields is still up and coming. Dak Prescott. Other than that, and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So there's not a lot on there to scare you to death as far as just a quarterback that you feel like you're going to have a really, really tough chance uh, to beat. So I think that the defense does have a chance to improve just by the schedule alone. You don't have a top five quarterback on any team that you play this year. And top 10, that's when you're going to start to see guys like sneak in the top 10 in the back half. Trevor Lawrence has absolutely the best chance to enter that conversation this year, right? So you have that first step up with Doug Peterson. Finally, you get some kind of competence running that football team. You see Trevor win a playoff game. This could be the real year where maybe he's an MVP candidate. You have Calvin Ridley. But you're right, Wes. It's not awful quarterback play by any means. But Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Tua, those are the QBs you're going to be facing week two in a five-week stretch. Right after that, you're facing Desmond Ritter week one. And even with the Falcons fans pounding the table for him, we're going to have to see Desmond Ritter actually do it before you start to be scared of him. And then you have a couple rookies after that where 
You're facing C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson in the middle portion of the, of the season. Then it's Justin Fields. This is this is not a defense that's going to be having to face top-notch QB talent. And even if they were, Mina Kimes had another soundbite about this defense with Ajero Averro coming over as the defensive coordinator. He's got some great pieces to work with. Now he comes to Carolina, where I feel the personnel that they already had in the building and some they added is a great fit for what he likes to do up front. You're going to you're going to look at a three, four and a lot of light boxes. What he did in Denver, I think Derek Brown, Shy Tuttle on the defensive line with, of course, Shy you know, Brian, Bryce, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Burns rushing the passer. <laughs> then then behind them, you have a number of players going from Frankie Louvu at linebacker to Jeremy Chin to now Von Bell, who are all very multidimensional, which yeah. is another thing that Evero likes. Throw in a shutdown corner in J.C. Horn, oh. and you have all of the ingredients for a unit that could really make a significant leap this year. How much do you agree with the last point that she made? <laughs> and as with all the personnel, the shutdown corner. You know, I don't agree with that's that. That's just the cherry on top yep. with J.C. Horn. But I do think the position versatility with all of these guys, it's really exciting. I think there's a shot. They could be a top five defense. If you bring somebody in as celebrated as a Jero Averro, you have the pass rushing ability from a Brian Burns. Derek Brown going to be playing at odd man front end. Shy Tuttle. Maybe we don't talk about him as much either, but Marcus Spears, you heard that in the middle grunting. Mm-hmm. Shy Tuttle. <laughs> so awkward. Lights so, oh, Swag is the best though, man. He loved himself some Shy Tuttle, which is great. So happy to have him here in Carolina. And then you have what I like with the versatility is Frankie Louvu can cover. He can also blitz. He's just a... I feel like he's good at everything. And that's what I love about Frankie Louvu is that he can do a whole bunch of different stuff, but he, maybe he's not like best suited to rush the passer. He's not best suited to cover. He's not just best suited as a tackler. He can do a bunch of different stuff. Maybe Jeremy Chin, he's really struggled in coverage as a safety, but you feel like he's more of a safety and then linebacker secondary. And then maybe you're talking about Von Bell, the same thing with Jeremy Chin. I don't know. I just feel like all these even positional versatility guys, I think they complement one another with the ability that they bring to this team. Well, at the end of the day, your defense, the number one priority, especially in today's NFL game, is to be able to rush the passer. And you were 25th in that last year as far as sacks per game or total total team sacks. And so that's what's going to have to come up first and foremost. You're going to have to start getting more pressure on the quarterback. It can't just be the job of Brian Burns, uh, the 3-4 outside linebacker. Um, and then, as I said, somebody's going to have to join him. And then J.C. Horn, like I said, the thing for him is just staying healthy because we know what this secondary looks like when he's not healthy at the cornerback position. If he's not there, teams are going to pick that apart. And it doesn't matter how many multifaceted defenders you have. If you can't rush the passer and your cornerbacks aren't covering anybody, you're going to get shelled. Yeah, the the pass rush and the cornerback depth are the big issues. If they can get past that, then you've got a top <laughs> yeah, five defense. Those are big ifs. Well, the depth, I mean, look, if, if Dante and J.C., you're right, it's a big if. No, I'm just saying, not saying it's a big if, as if, yeah. as if they won't do it. I'm just saying those are two ginormous things to have to shore up. Well, the pass rushing, too. I mean, I guess how much can be unlocked with Derek Brown playing in a different position, at least in base? I wonder if Derek Brown can start to get after the quarterback more. Plus, we did just see him have a pretty good pass rushing grade last year. Like, he was able to get in the backfield. So, even if you're not accumulating those sacks, sure, you'd like to get home a lot more. But this can also come into the one. 
can he just pressure guys alongside Brian Burns? And then we get to the point that started all of this. It's not like you have a phenomenal cast of opposing quarterbacks that you're playing. And so if you do have somewhat of a lack of a pass rush, then maybe they won't be able to destroy you and Averro. The idea of him coming over is the fact that he's going to make you jump up a few spots as far as where your defense ranks in the NFL. So hopefully that can all come to fruition this upcoming season. Let's go to our first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Guys, yesterday the NFL officially did announce that Green Bay will host the 2025 NFL Draft. And I believe it was last week the NFL had representatives down here in Charlotte kind of taking a map to see, you know, if Charlotte were to host the NFL Draft, where it would be located and stuff like that. And I don't know if y'all saw Benjamin Albright was like roasting the NFL going to Green Bay, said it's not set up to host an event like the Draft. With the NFL going to a small city like Green Bay, are you more confident now than ever that the Queen City will host the NFL's most premier off-season event one day. Yes, I think so. I think David Tepper wants it to happen. We've seen him try to expand not only just hosting home football teams, but Bank of America, but the city of Charlotte actually bring in a lot of other events that would get the crowd the moving. City. He brought <laughs> music to the Queen City. Thank you for showing us all who Billy Joel was. That's fantastic, and we really appreciate that. So maybe he can show us what the NFL draft is all about by playing a big part in bringing it to the queue. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, we may not be as historic as the Green Bay Packers are, but I think that that definitely bodes well for Charlotte's chances. All right, we have one more segment to go in the 12 o'clock hour. Let's talk Charlotte FC with Willie P., the voice of the crown. That's coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And just like that, folks, we are back. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And Charlotte FC Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse, coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. And to talk with us more about Charlotte FC is the guy you know him, you love him, the voice of Charlotte FC here on WFNZ. It is Willie P. You can follow him on Twitter at Willie P. Style. Willie, what's going on, baby? What's going on, Wes? Unfortunately, the doghouse is going to get a little respite uh, after a big workout uh, Wednesday and Saturday. Uh, We won't be home at Bank of America Stadium for another couple of weeks, unfortunately, not till the 10th of June, but it's good to talk with you guys as always. All right, so Charlotte is currently ninth in the standings. How likely is a playoff berth at this point, and what needs to happen going forward if they do have a chance to do that? Well, they're as in it as anybody right now, Wes, and I think the fact is is that this league is so closely, tightly packed together. Any team can beat anyone on any given day. Even when you think about a team like the LAFC, who's kind of run away and hid in the Western Conference, they've taken some L's 
here recently. So it's very much a league that's based on parity. And when you think about what happened on Saturday night against Nashville, I think Charlotte FC played one of the top teams in the league, one of the main contenders in the league, about even, aside from a couple of unlucky bounces and calls that did not go their way. So I think a playoff appearance is incredibly likely. I think we're still pretty early in the proceedings here. You're still not halfway through the season, around just short of halfway, I should say. But uh, I think things are looking good. And one of the things that Chris Latanzio said in his uh, post-match comments after Nashville, he said, you know, results are one thing. Everyone's going to focus on results, but form is also part of that. And in fact, the matter is, there are a lot of times where you play well, but don't get the result. And I think that was probably the case and what happened against uh, Nashville on Saturday. Now, despite the loss, Charlotte FC has been playing really well as of late, racking up wins. Who would you say has been the team MVP thus far and why? Well, MVP, I think, has got to be Camille Yosbiak. He's the one who I think has been the most consistent when he's been on the pitch. He's given not only goals but also assists and also great defense. I think he's been the best all-around player. I think the most influential player they've had is Justin Miram because since he's come along and been a part of Charlotte FC, starting his last four contests, he has been a fixture in this lineup and had a goal or an assist in four consecutive contests. No one in the uh, short history of the team has done that. So I would give you most impactful uh, in terms of uh, his on-field assists would be Yozviak, but I'd give an honorable mention to Miram as well because he's somebody who – Charlotte FC players have really taken to, especially the young guys. Willie P joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline talking Charlotte FC. Willie, I think so many of our conversations before really the past month, it was all about morale. How do we get things back on track with Charlotte FC? People were talking about jobs being at stake just because it was off to a disappointing start. But it was a pretty damn good month of May for sure after having the four straight victories in different in different contests. So when you see the morale now with this squad, how are they feeling and how do you think the fan base is reacting to what they've been able to accomplish despite the most recent loss? I think from the fan base, there's still some skeptics. Uh, I think anytime you get a, a loss in the fashion that they did, and, and you also have a situation where there's a lot of people who are kind of at the throat of one of their DP strikers, and that's Enzo Capetti. He's still getting a lot of criticism from fans, but I also feel like a lot of the heat on Chris Montanzio has gone away, and I also feel like uh, some of the stuff, the unfortunate stuff that came out uh, off the pitch involving Charlotte FC and some players who uh, many people thought should have still been used and didn't know why they were not in the lineup. I think a lot of that maybe took some of the heat off of Latanzio and off the club itself because of all the stuff that they've had to go through off the pitch this season. So I think in that in that sense, there's probably a lot of better morale right now in terms of the way the team is playing. I know from the players' standpoint, they kind of took a bit of a bunker mentality for Latanzio right before that NYCFC game, and you've seen it really gradually grow into that, you know, that band of brothers type situation. Again, people are going to react the, the way that they do to a loss. But like I said, I think there's still a lot to be uh, in, in favor of when it comes to this club. They're playing tomorrow night against a uh, Birmingham Legion team. that's an incredibly winnable side. And we get them one win closer to playing Champions League soccer next year, which is a big, big deal. It's probably the uh, at least third or fourth best competition when it comes to the world in terms of uh, two uh, continents getting together, North and Central America, for a potential Champions League crown. I think from that perspective, 
you have to like where Charlotte FC is at this point of the season. Well, and Willie, you mentioned that game tomorrow night in the U.S. Open Cup. What statement could that? Uh, what statement could be made? I should say by advancing to the next round for this team in that regard. Well, it means you're three wins from a trophy if you get one tomorrow night, and, and you have an opportunity in that quarterfinal match to potentially exact a measure of revenge if, in fact, uh, both Nashville and Charlotte advance uh, with midweek wins this week because Charlotte FC would get an opportunity to host that quarterfinal match. It would be either against Nashville or Inter-Miami. And like I said, they're playing a, a lower division side in Birmingham, one they saw in the preseason, uh, a team that they beat 3-2 in their building. Uh, they're not going to show the same team. There were a couple of guys who were some of their higher-level players that did not feature in that contest, including some former MLS talent uh, that are playing on Birmingham Legion. The fact that the game is on the road presents a little bit of a different challenge, but we know Christian Latanzio values these Open Cup ties and values the ability to play Cup football, and so they are going to put out a, a first-choice side or as much of a first-choice side as they can for this game on Wednesday, and, and I like their chances to be able to come away with a uh, victory and advancing through. Willie P on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Willie P Style. Willie, you talk about Christian Latanzio and the way this season has gone and the team coming together. If you could put a letter grade on the job that he's done so far this season, what would it be? I'd say he's at a solid B right now, uh, maybe B minus because there were some results early that we thought could go Charlotte FC's way that did uh, think that not the uh, New England loss uh, very much could have been a draw. And I think even the result on Saturday – Many believe there could have been a draw. That's probably the biggest thing that if there's a critique point on Charlotte FC, and that's something that's even gone back to their time at the beginning of last year, it's, it's the ability to finish out results and finish out contests. The unfortunate part about the way that they've gone through their history is that they've had issues grinding out a point or getting more than one point uh, at the end of contests. People have not liked the conservative nature in which they finish games. They'd like to be a little more aggressive, although sometimes with that aggressiveness, can result in relinquishing some points. So it's all about game management. I feel like that's the biggest critique point right now on him. But I think with what he's been handled with and what he's been handed, especially when it comes to the injury standpoint, they've not been given a clean bill of health injury-wise, especially up front. I feel like you have to be happy with the job that he's done. That's Willie P. on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I did want to ask you one thing. The intro had your middle name being Eugene, as Josh Fiddy Marlowe has dubbed you. One, is that your real middle name? And would you like it to be your middle name? Uh, no and no. <laughs> my, my middle name is not Eugene. Uh, that's something that's a myth that's perpetuated by Josh Fiddy Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta Flounder. Uh, for some reason, they put Eugene on the middle of my name, and, and I guess that's more of a a placeholder for them when they don't know what the person's middle name is. A middle name is not, nor ever will be, Eugene. What is it? It's Henry. Okay. Is I Henry, like that. That's strong. Yeah, that is. A Henry is a strong, that's a very proper, Willie Henry Palachik. That yeah, does sound very, I like that a lot. Just don't call me Hank, that's all. All right, we will not, but we will call you the voice of Charlotte FC. <laughs> that was Willie P. joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Willie P., we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, so that was our soccer sandwich for the week. And when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, how excited are you for the Nuggets and the Heat? That and more NBA talk. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.